Okay, ladies, gentlemen, boys, girls, goofballs, scumbags, and everything in between. Y'all know what time it is. We are back at it yet again Ooh, for another episode of the Football Misfits, home of the Footballing Misfits. This is episode 91. Ooh. I am your host, of course, LB, a.k.a. Paper Pronto, a.k.a. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, a.k.a. Buck Nasty. The Sad Spurs fan, this week, you bet your ass. Neither here nor there. Of course, it would not be the Football Misfits without the other host, the man who gets it done, been getting it done, and will always get it done. The traveling man, Mr. Misfits himself. Y'all may know him as Ronnie, and so do I. Ronnie, say what's good for the one time. In the words of Diddy, hello. Good morning. Stay strong. Be brave. See, that's how you know you're a New Yorker, because the pause was excellent. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of, uh, you know, uh, uptown and, uh, and, and New York and money, most of all money, uh, this would not be the football mistress without the man behind the data desk with the numbers, the sources. Fabrizio Romano be texting him like, well, what you got for me today? Of course, I'm talking about the Spencyclopedia Britannica, Spencer Povich. Spencer at the day today. Spencer say it was good for the one time. What's going on, everybody? Peace and love. Peace and love. We're just chilling in our humble homes while Spencer and his estate. <laughs> That's crazy. Not making up these stories. <laughs> <laughs> this narrative is going to go nuts. F1 Spencer, not even over there. That's the whole it's a whole nother thing. I think I saw him courtside at the Nets game. Could have been, could have been someone else though. <laughs> okay. Now to the sport that everybody loves and that you guys came here to hear about, of course, footy across the world and the globe. Club football is headed towards the end of the season, the business end, as they always say, you know, where things get tied up as some things did this week. Uh, it's been a minute since we've done this because it's been a quite a hectic uh, past couple of months, but I think it's the perfect time to bring back uh, our favorite matches of the week. Ronnie, do you want to start? What you got? We're going to aboard the Ass Whooping Express, as you so eloquently called it before we potted. <laughs> For that, we're going to go to Liverpool at Anfield. They hosted Manchester United on Tuesday, and this had Ass Whooping. <laughs> And this had ass whooping written all over it. The goals that were scored were just phenomenal. Manchester United are a shambles. Liverpool coming away with a 4 nothing win over their rivals. The data doesn't lie. 9 nothing on aggregate in two games this season in the Prem. Luis Diaz got the ball rolling, followed by a Mo Salah getting it done just before halftime. And then in the second half, Mo Salah would get his brace, and Sadio Mane also scored. That front three that played were on fuego. There's no, there's no way, there's no um, if ands, or buts, only absolutes. They were on fire. They showed how talented they were. Of course they did. That made it my match of the week. 4 nothing, Liverpool over United. Great choice. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, as he uh, also eloquently put it, the darkest day in our history, as with a smile. Ralph Ragnick was like, "Bro, I'm not gonna be on. The, I'm not gonna be pitch side for this much longer. It is what it is." Uh, yeah, ass been expressed for sure. Uh, for me, I'll take it elsewhere, and by elsewhere I mean into Italy, a team that allegedly is fighting for the title, but based on their recent form, you wouldn't think so. Uh, this is Napoli. Uh, they faced off against Empoli over the weekend. Like I said, Napoli was has been in the title fight and for a second really took pole position. We thought they had something. Could they keep it up? Could they bring some some grace back to uh, Diego Maradona's club? And of course, no, they couldn't. What they do is let you down. And this is how they did it. After going up 2-0, right, with goals coming at the end of the first half, uh, one from Dries Mertens, and then at the beginning of the second half from Lorenzo, I'm headed to Toronto in senior. It looked like uh, they were cruising, cruising to the, to the three points uh, against an Empoli team who, you know, sits just above 15th place. They Empoli would decide to turn it up and be like, nah, I think we're going to win this game as they scored a goal in the 80th. 
and then in the 83rd, and then again in the 87th. And all of a sudden, Napoli's down 3-2 with barely any time to make something of it. And before you know it, full-time whistle blows. Napoli, oof, they went from top of the table to now this in well under first place. Hate to see it. An entertaining match nonetheless. Three late goals. I mean, you got to enjoy it unless you're from Napoli or love Napoli. That was all she wrote. My favorite match of the week. Empoli three. Napoli two. So do we now say that Napoli are out of it or do we still have a sliver of hope? Uh, I think Napoli are officially done. They officially fucked it for themselves. 34 matches played and they are... They're at seven points under the league leaders, AC Milan, um, and they're five under Inter Milan. So AC and Inter would both have to fuck up historically in these last uh, four matches for Napoli to make something of it. And then Napoli, in turn, was well, a very easy schedule. We just need to win the rest of their matches. But we saw them go down to Empoli today in fantastic fashion. They drew a red a Roma with a red card, and they lost to you know um, Fiorentina all in three weeks. So things are not looking good for the Neapolitans. And for that reason, yeah, ain't no way. This is going to be a, a Scudetto face-off between the blue side of Milan and the red side of Milan. And which side of the coin wins? Because I'm fancying the red side, even though the blue side might have a bit of a say-so. I think I'm right there with you, Ronnie. Uh, AC Milan finally making it look like they're not going to stumble and crumble and let Inter take uh, you know, consecutive Scudettos or Scudetti, I guess I should say. Um, but yeah, I think AC Milan's got it. They're scheduled to finish the season. They told Inter, go ahead, take the Coppa Italia, which we'll get to. We want the Scudetto, which we haven't won since 2000, and I believe 11, or 2010 even, if that. So a long time coming for the, you know, the red side of Milan, and I think they will take care of it. A tough run to finish their season, though. They've got Fiorentina, Atalanta, and Sassuolo alongside matches, a match against Verona. So. Not the easiest way to finish the campaign, but I think they can get it done. Speaking of getting it done, let's go to the other end of the table where Salernitana. Ooh, that's they're, they're climbing out of the hole, Salernitana. Salernitana decided, uh, I guess, before every match to just put on the footy misfits and hear us <laughs> just badmouthing them. Uh, just And they were like, you know what? Let's prove these idiots wrong. They had enough of us. <laughs> they really have. Hey, love the name. I just didn't have any faith. And in two straight, or I should say three straight weeks, they've taken a W with wins coming against, goodness gracious, uh, they beat Sampdoria, beat Udinese, and then the big one, they beat Fiorentina. Now they've got Atalanta next, and if they're really on a run, if they're really about it, they will take a W or some points there, and they'll be all business because I think they finished the season off not the I can't say they have an easy run in because they were sitting bottom of the table the entire year. But they're exceeding expectations. They're leaving it as late as possible and have an excellent name. Excellent name. But yeah, uh, man, Salernitana's upcoming run in. Um, they face off against Atalanta, like you said. Then they take on Venezia in a clash that could see Salernitana completely out of the relegation zone. Venezia currently occupies the um, bottom of the barrel in Serie A. Gagliari, Empoli, and Udinese are round off. It's very much possible Salernitana can stay up now. If Salernitana does, in fact, stay up, I have to buy a kit. I'm right there with you. I'm right yeah, there with you. We're going to have to make that happen because uh, they absolutely will have defied expectations. And I guess one positive outlook on it, you know, the cool name will will remain in the league. So we'll see what happens with them. Absolutely on fire. As I said, three of the last five are all Ws. They're in the best form in that relegation scrap. Shouts to everybody in Salerno. We, we, we never had faith, but it's never too late. <laughs> we definitely never did. <laughs> but, I mean, and if we just leave it at the bottom of the table for a hot second, Venezia, which I think we said a couple months back and maybe at the beginning of the season, Probably the coolest kit in the world, let alone Syria. Yeah, the hipster club. The absolute hipster club. They're definitely going back down. So it's been a battle of cool name, cool kit, and then Genoa. You know, that's what it's been. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Genoa are pure piss. 
How have they only won thrice and are still not bottom? <laughs> 16 draws, 15 losses. That's incredible. What a stat. 16 draws. Jesus Christ. What a stat. But that does it for the bottom of the table. Still a very tough end to the season. That is Syria. What was the most electrifying title race in Europe? But we did mention the Prem. Let's um let's get back into that. Um, we spoke about how Liverpool just ran riot against Manchester United. Um, the midweek also saw the Arsenal pulling away with a four-two ass whooping. I guess you can call it an ass whooping because Arsenal were far the better team against Chelsea. This is something that's a phenomena in the Premier League. Uh, it's similar to how Spurs somehow always beat Man City which is weird. Uh, Arsenal will beat Chelsea for some reason, whenever, wherever, uh, no matter what form either team is in. Importantly for Arsenal, on the back of a really bad run of form, winning only two of their last five, uh, decided to play in the form of their lives and just hand it to a Chelsea team. You're absolutely right. They look comfortable all the way through. Arsenal, with really big wins at a really important time in the season, they've taken the fourth place spot back from Spurs who have been sputtering and bottling it. Arsenal also, continued their impressive run. They they smoked Manchester United 3-1. A Man United team who week in, week out, you watch them play and you just say, what, what is this? What is going on here? Um, Arsenal... I look at that club with disgust. Yeah, disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I absolutely agree. I'm sure you're not the only one. Uh, I feel like Ralph Ragnick also has that tone in his press conferences and, and maybe some players on the pitch as well. Arsenal said none of that as they played the match of their lives yet again and just cooked Manchester uh, Man United. They have, I think, with that loss, they, they've uh, ruled themselves out of top four, even though I, we've been saying they, they were not in the race. Uh, to begin with. Yeah, the uh, thought of them being in the, in the race was cute, but it was never going to happen. Yeah, no this way Manchester no. United? Hell no. No way, no how. Um, but if we stick on Manchester United... Uh, I want to stick on that game in particular, though. Let's go. Um, Before that game, Harry Maguire said something about, and I quote, there's a reason why both managers have put me in the starting 11 every game for what I bring to the team and what I bring to the starting 11. But I also understand that I am the captain of this club. I cost a lot of money, and when things aren't going well, we're going, when we're conceding too many goals, I'm going to get criticized. Implying that he's worth the price tag. Like, he's not rubbish. Yeah. Um, what do we make of that? We absolutely, I think it's clear as day he was not worth the price tag and might not ever be worth the price tag. I think that's fair to say. Leicester definitely finessed Manchester United. That's been evident for quite some time. They built a whole academy. They, <laughs> whole, they built a whole academy facility with that money. That's a fact. Now, is Harry Maguire a bad defender? I wouldn't say he's a bad defender. I think he's low in confidence. Is he a good defender? I wouldn't say that either. Um, so, I mean, that's what I was going to say. You act if he's bad. I'm like, he's not good. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, him. I mean, he absolutely has the right to defend himself, and he's going to do that. Of course, he did in a in a in a way kind of allude to the fact that yes, I am the club captain. He he does understand that he did cost a lot of money, and whether or not that's too much pressure for him, I mean, it's not working out in his favor. So he seems to be uh, recognizing that. I think the the fact that he's defending himself, saying, "Hey, you know, I'm a." Uh, you know, I'm good enough to be in the starting 11. If you just kind of look at their starting 11, you know, I mean, who else is going to really get put in there? Eric Bailly has been far from reliable. Uh, <laughs> Phil Jones um, has been on Manchester United since Alex Ferguson was there. You know, so there's really not much else there. Uh, we got Axel Tuanzebe, who was fullback. Sometimes he plays center back. Well, so really the question is, isn't a matter of fact of he's good enough to be in the starting 11. Is who are we going to replace you with? You got, you know, you got um, you got Rafael Varane, and then that's pretty much it. He's there, I guess, by default. You know, he's got he's the uh, default settings on FIFA. He's already, he's already there. What are you going to do? 
Now, whether or not that's a problem for us, it's not the problem for Manchester United. And their apparently uh, apparent new manager, something I've never seen before, a manager signed during the season while the team he is currently on is still in play in their respective season. Of course, I'm talking about Eric Ten Hag, the Dutch sensation. Y'all know him as the Ajax manager. Man United said, fuck that. We're going to announce that right now. Why not? It was inevitable, apparently. It felt that way. Because if it wasn't going to be him, it was going to be Pochettino. And that's what it seemed like, right? It was about who would get there first. And Pochettino was at least going to win the league uh, in France. That was for certain. Um, and I guess it looks now like Eric Tenog took the leap before Ajax uh, would win or could win the Eredivisie, which is not totally done and dusted, right? So I'd love to get your thoughts on that. What do you think about seeing that kind of stuff happen? We've seen it with players, as we said, I think off the pod. We've seen the Mario Goza go from BBB to Bayern midseason, you know, but with managers, I'm not sure. I can't remember the last time I saw something like this. Kind of I know joking. it's definitely happened. I just don't remember when was the last time I remember. Right. Listen, I think Ten Hag is a good manager as is. We don't have to remind ourselves of that Champions League run a few years back when they made the semis, lost to your Spurs. He's a household name in the Netherlands. In England, he's going to have to prove himself because there's already people like, what can he do in the Prem? Because that's apparently what everyone in the world asks is about everything. Could you do it in the Prem? Who gives a fuck? Um, <laughs> is, is whether or not he could do it. And I think he can. If he can't, it's because of Manchester United as a club. But if if we're hearing what we're hearing and everything is true that he's going to turn that club upside down to a complete 180 of what they have right now, we'll see how they do. Yeah. One thing I, I know for damn sure, um, Donny Van de Beek is going to play again. Van de Beek is the happiest man on earth right now. He's like, wow, look at how I popped <laughs> across yet again. And <laughs> you mentioned that Champions League run. That was, I think, aside from Frankie de Jong, Donny Van de Beek was unbelievable. Um, on that Ajax team. He was so informed. He was scoring goals. He was playing the deep-lying role as well. Like He did everything, and I'm sure he'll be excited uh, to get back with his old mans, his mans in them, and maybe, you know, kind of fix that midfield up that a Bruno, Fernandez, a Bruno Fernandez committed to for basically all of eternity. Um, but on that Bone point... Bone-headed decision, by the way. Bone-headed. <laughs> uh, on that point, though, you know, you, you, know, you, you mentioned him being able to turn this, the squad around from the top down. And I do agree with you that uh, it, it, I, it won't be the fact that he's Dutch if he does not succeed. I think it'll be because Man United are a shit show and have been a shit show and have made a mockery of many a good manager, as we've seen. Um, but he did mention uh, in a press conference that he would not have taken the Man United job without, quote-unquote, control over transfers. He said, yo, this is my team. He said, I set requirements in advance about how I want to work, he told the Dutch outlet. Um, and he said, if they aren't granted, I won't do it. I'm ultimately responsible and accounted for the results. I don't want to be the sole ruler. I stand for cooperate, cooperation. But control and transfers is a condition for me. So, I mean, whether or not that will actually happen, we'll see. United, as we've seen, do spend money and have continued to spend money. They seem to spend money like it's nobody's business. Um, so they they have funds, they have sellable assets, uh, but we see many a manager come and say, "Hey, I wasn't going to come unless I was given control of the transfers," and we've seen that not happen. Maybe I've seen that not happen. At least you know the club I support is run by Daniel Levy. But um, uh, that being said, he does have an opportunity to make something of that. United, as I said, have the chest, and he seems to be able to build. Now we'll they get rid of, you know, those sellable assets. And if so, which ones? Ronaldo, you'd assume is out the door. He's saying he might, might not be, might might be. Paul Pogba, you'd have to assume is out of there, yeah? Yeah, Pogba is pretty much lined up for him to, you know, bounce. They might also get rid of, who else could they get rid of? Um, hey, Harry Maguire, maybe? <laughs> that man is on bank. I think they're tied to him no matter what. <laughs> um, Or Ten Hag could send him on loan to, I don't know. Sheffield United. Um, I could see Marcus Rashford out of there. He seems yeah, to be and that's the sad because Marcus Rashford, there was hope for him, and this season he underperformed quite, quite incredibly. Yeah, I don't want to, uh, you know, attribute it to the Euros, but he seems to have not been the same this season. 
uh, very, very poor form from him. And it sucks, especially because he's a lad from Manchester as well. Um, but yeah, I could definitely see him being moved. Um, the language for the fact that they need, um, like, they could like put him in a swap or something, but I wouldn't. But I, I could see that happening too. David the hair? Uh, maybe only because of the age, but I don't see them getting rid of him. See a Kaylor Navas swap. PSG allegedly said this week that they um, think he's a world class keeper, but they they had to t- get Donnarumma because of the deal. But uh, that could possibly not be a Donnarumma, but. Yeah, yeah. They, they basically said it was an opportunity they couldn't pass up, and they went ahead and took it. But so that they're means- gonna pick up another opportunity to get a goalkeeper who they're gonna bench because they're gonna pass it up. Come on, now. it's PSG. They they they're they're swimming in money. Um, <laughs> exactly. um, but no, I don't see the hair leaving. I mean, I do, but I don't. Um, Juan Basaka. <laughs> yeah, it's safe to say. Uh, those sellable assets that they have, I think, are basically Pogba. <laughs> basically, <And laughs> from there, it's you know, if we can get some cash for them, take them. But I think they keep maybe uh, a decent amount of the squad. But I can yeah, see like that. it's all a la carte. Like <laughs> maybe I can take Tejas, depending on what club I'm at, or I could take Dalo. I'm scared to touch Sancho, but he still has you know quality hidden in him but do i really yeah, want I think, it i think sancho absolutely stays uh i think fred stays he's earned it and i feel like ten Hag can kind of get 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 some results out of him even though he's been maybe you know aside from cristiano ronaldo uh united's best player this season yeah and then of course the other big one cristiano ronaldo does he stay or does he walk i don't see you know as we've we've basically explained in the last 10 or so minutes Ten Hag likes a young team that he can, you know, sell a philosophy on and really kind of build around. Ronaldo's the opposite of that. He does score goals in, you know, clutch moments as we've seen. He's won uh, a little stat that I saw from our good friend Sebastian North at Campfire Football. He's won them 21 points off of the goals that he scored in the Premier League this season. So uh, he has been a, a, an impact. But for the whole team and for a coach like Ten Hag, who seems to want to have cohesion, Maybe he might not work with Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, one last thing before we get off this Manchester United um, talking point, and to go back to Harry Maguire, um, the jokes are fun. The slab head is quite phenomenal of a joke. Bomb threats are not. Factos, not cool. Come on, guys. Th- that that's just going way too damn far. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. No, nobody deserves that, regardless of their form or how they play or the pressure that's on them. Facts. I, I had to point that out there because these motherfuckers is crazy. Yeah, I mean, we're we'll be the, you know some of the quickest folks to you know talk some smack to Harry Maguire about Harry Maguire with regards to his form and his play and the situation that he finds himself in. But uh, yeah, I believe we called him a glad bag. Yes, an expensive glad bag at that. Diamond but to to put threats on his life and his family's lives, uh, we're not going there. Not cool, never cool. Um, yes, worthy. So, of course it is. So, we spoke Arsenal, we spoke Man United. I was going to say, Arsenal have been linked with Gabriel Jesus, and he heard those rumors, and he put up four goals on the weekend. Yeah, he destroyed, uh, absolutely cooked Watford. The poor guys. Um, they seem to get abused by Man City more than any other club on earth. Uh, the Manchester City social media admin decided he wanted to violate even more after that result, posting every single result against Watford in the last eight or so years. City has not had a single draw or loss to Watford, and I think the aggregate goals is somewhere in the 40s. So uh, it's like 40 to something, 40 to 2 or 40 to 3, which is absolutely embarrassing. Manchester City, social media, I mean, you didn't have to go there, bro. We, we know what this is. You know, we know what this is. But, yes, uh, Jesus apparently linked to Arsenal, and they could use a striker if you want to call him a striker at this point. Yeah, but I'm saying he saw the rumors and he wanted no parts. That's why he put up the four-piece. Yeah, he sure did. Four-piece with the fries. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And lastly in the Prem, um, Merseyside Derby? Yes, I do have one quick thing I want to mention in the Prem. Uh, Apart from that, the – 
relegation dogfight has been going crazy. We saw some midweek fixtures. We saw Burnley post Sean Dyche. Still a bad idea, in my opinion. They have been putting together results. They won in midweek against Southampton, I believe. No. But yeah, they won in the midweek against Southampton. And then on Sunday, they are recording against Wolves. That's two wins in a row. That finds them out of the Euro, uh, of the relegation spot. They're in 17th. And you mentioned the Merseyside Derby. Let's get into it because Everton are finding themselves in a perilous place. A <laughs> perilous place. <laughs> they, they lost 2-0 today. Two second half goals for Liverpool. Um, They're continuing the fight for the top spot in the Prem. Everton are now in the relegation zone. After all this time, they're flirting with it. They're there now. Burnley on 31 points are in safety. Everton yes. are pissed. It's uh, Everton's lowest rank at this time of the season since 1999, I believe. They're really in hot water. And as you so eloquently mentioned last week, or maybe the week before, their murderer's row has just begun. They were able to, you know, steal a point away from Leicester on Wednesday. Uh, but this is really where it gets ugly for them as they lose to their rivals. They were never going to win at Anfield, even though the match made it seem like at least they could pull a draw. Um, they've got Chelsea, Leicester again, um, and then at least Arsenal and Crystal Palace and Brentford before the season's up. The dark days could be beginning for Everton, and this could be basically where you plant the flag to say this is it. This is where it's happening. And Frank Lampard, oof, what did you get yourself into? <laughs> And does he stay if they go down? Like, we're talking about all the players that they would stay. Does he stay? I think he absolutely stays. He's got, yeah, he, um, he, he's got EFL, he's got championship experience. Um, not, uh, you know, not necessarily the best, but he's definitely has championship experience. And I think, you know, joining Everton at this time of the season was pressure upon pressure. And I think he clearly wants, has a, a way that he wants to play. Um, and this is not the best time to implement that, but a season in the championship will give him some time to kind of, you know, build up a standard of play. But Everton could be a completely different team by that point. But Everton are not staying in the Prem. They are going down. Yeah, it's it's hard to see them come out of it. They'd have to play out of their minds in the next couple of weeks. And you just don't see it. They seem like a side that's given up, that's low on confidence. And meanwhile, Burnley have that new manager, or four managers, if you will, as they've got everybody in the technical area basically managing the side and Ben Mee, the captain. Um, and they've got that, you know, that little boost, two wins in a row for them in a, in a crucial point in the season. Everton, of course, have that uh, match in hand, you know, but will it really matter at this point? I think not. Burnley have somehow made it, and I think will continue to make it. One team who is going to make it, Fulham. Yeah, officially, official, book their place. They're back again. Just like back that. again, they're um, taking that one-year sabbatical from the championship, only to go right back to fuck down next season. I don't know how Mitrovic stays on that team. Yeah. That yo-yo-ass team. Unbelievable. Uh, Fulham's refusing. They're like, we're, we're in West London. We've got Craven Cottage. We're a Premier League team. They told Scott Park, get the hell up out of here. Brought in Marco Silva. And, yeah, they're right back up, courtesy of, uh, as you mentioned, Mitrovic, scoring goals are plenty. Um, but yeah, they, they ran away with the championship this season when you thought, you know, Bournemouth would give them a fight. They're well ahead of them uh, in the table and they're back in the Prem. We'll see who joins them next season. But Fulham are a are Premier League mainstay. They take a couple years off. As you said, they make some, they take a sabbatical here and there, but they want to be in the Premier League and they've earned that place. Yeah, man, they earned that place. They washed the championship competition. But absolutely enough about the Premier League. You know, it's tough when we're going into the championship. Where do you where where do you want to go next, Ronnie? We had some cup competitions across uh, Europe as well. Yeah, let's start with the um with the final that there was La Copa de Su Majestad el Rey. What he said, y'all. <laughs> um, Real Betis and Valencia took took on one another in the final of the King's Cup. I hate when people say the King's Cup in the final of the Copa del Rey. Yes, that's a literal translation, but still, I hate it. First off, um, just want to give air horns for this final, being two teams that people don't really put their eyes on in terms of playing in a final, 
It's always Barcelona, Real Madrid, Atleti, and Copa del Rey, especially Athletic Club. But now this year we got a Real Betis Valencia final, and I was with the shits. The scoring happened early for these two sides. 1-1 throughout most of the game going into penalties. And in the penalties, Real Betis took advantage of a miss by Yunus Musa. Everyone else for Valencia made theirs except for him. Another week, another disappointment for the USMNT. We had Zach Steffen last week. We had him, um, Musa, this week. And, um, yes, Real Betis' third Copa del Rey title. Big win for them. Uh, could give them some momentum to push for that Champions League spot. They're just five points behind Atletico Madrid. Um, Manuel Pellegrini, old. he looks so old. How old is he? <laughs> He looks so old. I'd be forgetting how he's 68. He looks sometimes he looks really old, but anyway, he gets it done. The Chilean manager, uh, with yet another cup under his belt. Um, yeah, another... <laughs> <laughs> he look old as hell. He looks look so old, man. The poor guy. <laughs> um, <laughs> hey man, for however old he looks, he's still getting it done. He's still winning trophies out here in these streets. <laughs> he sure is. That's how you know that that I didn't have many talking points from this match. Just had to go straight <laughs> for the fact that my man's old. But yeah, the match. I mean, it, it did go. You know, the full one twenty in penalties. Finished late as hell in Spain, and I think the one thing I'd say is Batiste definitely looked the better side. They had a couple of chances to seal it. Um, before the 90 minutes even, I think they hit the post a couple times. The Batiste look like the better team overall, and uh, the penalty shootout proved that. 17 years since they last won the trophy, he lifts it again. He is Real Batiste through and through. Deserves it. And what better place to do it than in your hometown of Sevilla? But yeah, big up to Batiste again. Copa del Rey 2022 champions. Can they get a Champions League spot next season? We shall see. Atletico Madrid fumble the bag. We shall see. We shall see. They do have the Europa League locked because of the Copa del Rey, but you know, we'll see if they can, you know, have higher aspirations. Yes, indeed. And um, the gap is not 20 points. Exactly. Like at this point last season. This point a, last season was disgusting. It was a drop off if I ever seen one. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Nastiness. Uh, but if we stay in La Liga just for a hot second. Not too much to mention there, of course, except Barcelona have been, as we call it now, the Barcelona B team. Those chabby Ten Commandments, they work for, for a couple minutes, <laughs> and they've stopped working since. Uh, they have had two losses already uh, in 10 days. I think, well, if, if you include the Europa League, three losses in 10 days. Um, I lost to Cadiz on Monday, and then I only mention this because today, finally, finally, Rayo Vallecano, who have been unbelievably poor, uh, have beaten Barcelona on uh, Sunday day of recording. Barcelona in second place, at, and they are not comfortable there at all, even for a Champions League spot, as they just hit two points above fourth place. And then with that being said, just six points above Real Betis, we just mentioned, who are in fifth place. Barcelona got to get it together before the season's over, and it's not over yet. They're acting like they're done already. Real, um, Real Vallecano sweeps the season series against Barcelona 2-0. That's about all they did. Mm-hmm. The first time was Coleman Swan song. If y'all remember, that, that was a game that got him sacked. And then this time around. Sent him back. Probably won't get sacked, though. But, yes. No, he, yeah, he absolutely won't. Um, it'll take time, of course, for their philosophy to get through. But, yeah, Barcelona's sputtering at the moment. Um, That's pretty much all in Spain, um, their relegation scrap sees Alaves and Levante tied on 25 and Granada on 30. So the first two are definitely going down. And between Granada, Cadiz, and Mallorca um, for that one spot. I know we mentioned Cups. Copa Italia also happened. Um, Inter with the ass whooping of AC Milan. All aboard. The ass whooping express 2-2, motherfucker. Coincided with Manchester United getting their ass bust by Liverpool. 
So that was pretty, pretty wild to see all these assholes happening on the same day. Inter, their three goals came from Lautaro Martinez, this is Brace, and Robin Gossens. Shouts to Robin Gossens. Yeah, man, I have not seen that name on a lineup sheet in a minute. But um, shouts to Inter. They will take on their Derby Italia rivals, Juventus, coming into the leg. one nothing leaders on aggregate. Federica Bernadeschi and Danilo scoring to give Juve a 3 nothing aggregate win over La Viola. It will be the Derby Italia final in Rome. Yeah, Juventus find themselves in the final again uh, after beating um, Atalanta last season. It'd be a good, it'd be a good pickup for um, Mass Allegri after a really rough season and a slow rebuild. Still to be able to take a cup home would be a good point for him. Inter Milan, obviously, will want to take that. But are they focused on winning the Scudetto? Instead, we shall see. A lovely final. Anytime you can get Inter and Juventus to go at each other in a final, Going with the Bianconetti, of course. And you know that. I'm rocking with you, Ryan. I Ooh. Um, you might not particularly care. Um, but I did want to bring up the DFB Pokal. Our final is set. It's Freiburg versus Leipzig. Um, much like I said with the Copa del Rey final being Real Betis and Valencia, two teams that you wouldn't expect to make it to a cup final, maybe Leipzig now because they've been in the Pokal final recently. Still an interesting matchup, and it's Freiburg's first ever final. They beat Hamburg 3-1, while Leipzig beat Union Berlin. I'm going for the under for the underdog, Freiburg. I was going to say I'm rocking with Freiburg as well. Leipzig are just kicking it into gear now, so they might go ahead and take that. They are in other competitions as well, the Europa League. I think with the season that Freiburg has had, and we're holding down, uh, you know, a Champions League spot for mad long this season, and an unbeaten streak for mad long this season, it's only right they had a really good season to see them in a cup final, and their first ever go at it against the Red Bull Machine. Let's go, Freiburg! Woo! Yeah, man, I'm. Where is Freiburg currently in the Bundesliga? Freiburg are in fifth. They're in a Europa League place. A win in the Pokal would pretty much confirm it. And I have a feeling that their fans are going to pull up to Berlin in full force. Factos. That final is in May, May 21st. Um, Again, in Berlin. Definitely going to tune in. And up to Freiburg. Up to Freiburg, indeed. Sticking in Germany. Bayern Munich took on BVB in their Klassische. And... They got the dub 3-1, and they win the Meisterschale again for the 10th time in a row. Yep, big surprise. <laughs> yep. A very lackluster season for Bayern Munich, even though they win the, they win the title yet again. Um, Thomas Muller has been there for all of it. Yeah, he's given me all the cups. I want it all. Uh, I would say even more lackluster of a season for BVB. They've been pitiful. Yo. The ass whoopings they've endured this season. Unfair. Be it um, from Leverkusen, be it from Bayern or, or Berlin, even Sam Pauli in the Polko. Oh, Leipzig gave him an ass whooping, and then Man City's going to add the cherry on top and take Erling Haaland, allegedly. Uh, so just from bad to worse for Dortmund, just wrap it up and just, you know, hope, hope for next season, guys. Speaking of title winners, PSG won the gun. Moving on. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> surprise, surprise. The big question there is Mauricio Pochettino sacked. Uh, the sorry, owners want him gone. Yeah, I guess I could have said Mauricio Pochettino sacked and keep pushing. That's basically all, all there is there. Messi has won more league titles than PSG has ever won as a club. I find that nuts. Yeah, we said at the top of the year, that is a wild stat. Um, but we did say it at the top of the year, Messi was vacationing in Paris. And that's what the season has been. Although they did pretty much wrap up league on early. They, they've been having a steady lead through, through and through. Marseille tried to challenge. It was barely enough. Um, and, yeah, they, they, they uh, wrap up the league. 
with um, three, ma four matches to spare. So not the earliest they've done it before, not the latest either. But um, one yeah, other thing, um, they matched Senetian for the most league untitled of all time. There you go. Like, that just more. goes to show you how big of a drop off Senetian has been as a club. Yeah, oof, sitting in 18th place at the moment. Goodness gracious. Sucks. They're going down. At the relegation playoffs. Goodness gracious. Hate to see it. PSG, on the other hand, we spoke about lackluster seasons. You can throw theirs uh, in the mix. Lackluster, uh, Pochettino is probably out of there, and so is maybe Kylian Mbappe. Speaking of PSG, um, their women's team took on Leon today, Sunday, day of recording in the Women's Champions League. Semi-final. It's the two best teams in France. This time it was won by Leon 3-2. American Katarina Macario with a brace. Yeah, we're talking about all the um, USMNT players who have been, you know, a bit slumping. On the women's side, Katarina Macario is on the bullshit. But um, I want to talk about the other semi-final, which was another as woven express. Barcelona women against Wolfsburg. Oh, um, and they did something. They do things that the Barcelona men's team doesn't do clearly. They need to watch the Barcelona women's team. They need to watch Alexia Puteas. She is queen in women's football. Best yeah. player in the world by far. Yeah, definitely the top dog. And Barcelona continuing to be the top dog. They destroyed Wolfsburg all aboard the ass whooping express. For a third time. <laughs> and since is the Barcelona women, since is the Women's Champions League semifinal, they broke their own attendance record. Of course they did. They are. They, their fans show out, and you love to see that. The previous record was 91,553 that they set last month against Real Madrid. The new record is 91,648. Another 91,000 plus crowd at the camp now. Um, hey, man, when you put out a good product, people are going to watch. Facts. Uh, I hate that it's called the Spotify camp now. <laughs> oh, man. Um, Next season. Yes, disgusting. <laughs> if that somehow messes with the Barcelona women's team and they fuck up for some reason, which I, I don't ever see them taking their foot off the gas, but if they happen to, you know, have a, a slump, I'm putting it on Spotify. I'm calling BS on Spotify. Factors. And speaking of. Ooh, excellent transition. That is the only thing that is not BS, but I think it's that time. Woo! Drop that. Nobody is doing like what some journalists do when they write bullshit. Wow, you are afraid to say it, but it's all bullshit stories. What is it? Most of the times, it's uh, it's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now we, now during the week, we noticed a lot of BS of the week candidates, um, and we dropped it in our chat. Where are you going with? <laughs> I'm definitely going with the man who was the Chelsea manager. You know him as Thomas Tuchel. We mentioned earlier in the pod, Arsenal. Went to Stamford Bridge, gave him the ass whipping, uh, a deserved ass whipping. Chelsea looked out of it the entire match. They looked slow. They looked like their boots were stuck in the pitch. It was just a bad match for them overall from the top down. Uh, and after a match like that where you're clearly outplayed, you would assume maybe, you know, hats off to the other team or we just did not perform. Simple as that. This is a team that just won the Champions League, the defending champions. Uh, Thomas Tuchel obviously turning his career around at Chelsea. Now, we've also seen press uh, conferences where managers, after a bad loss, 
will have excuses under the sun. Legendary excuses, if you will. And this one, <laughs> legendary enough to enter BS of the week. Thomas Tuchel, uh, after losing the match, says in the press conference, the pitch is not in our favor. I'm thinking, wait a second. The pitch is not in your favor. This is your home ground. He goes on to say, <laughs> he goes on to say, uh, the, the pitch is difficult to play here. And he said, it sounds like an excuse, but it's a very, very difficult pitch that we have here. It's not in our favor. The ball bounces very awkwardly in front of Andres when he wants to play this ball. Uh, we had the same mistake against Real Madrid that cost us the next round. No, fam. BS of the week. That's not what happened. <laughs> last time I checked, uh, Chelsea Football Club runs this pitch. And also last time I checked, they're not the only team playing on the pitch. Uh, the reason why they, the match was cost against them, against Real Madrid, it wasn't the pitch. It was a man named Karim Benzema. Um, so Thomas Tuchel, uh, excuses, excuses. This one was, yeah, we got to call you out on that one, fam. Think of something better. Say you just had a bad day. Then leave it at that. The pitch. You're going to blame the groundsman? That, that Chelsea pays the same guys that pay you. What's going on here? Uh, PS- I mean, are they really paying them? They don't got money. You're right. It's an IOU. Maybe that's why the pitch is difficult to play. <laughs> <laughs> so, BS of the week, Thomas Tuchel, get it together, man. Come on. I want to give it to Emil Smith Rowe. Allegedly, he got a tattoo, and it's of a clock. And there's this. Um, what's the animal that's coming out of it? I think it's a lion. Lion, um, yes, but the clock has the little hand on 10, the big hand on 13. <laughs> There's no 13 o'clock. Um, nor is the number four in Roman numerals four I's, it's I-V. L-V his name is a Roman numeral. He should know these things. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just looking for the 13 on my clock. I don't see it. So is there some time that Emil smith Rowe was on that we're not? Apparently. The word is this has been, like, the the clock itself was inspired by this um, old computer game called Nancy Drew's Secrets of the Old Clock. How am I supposed to know that? How is anyone supposed to know <laughs> Exactly. BS of the week to Emil Smith Rowe. It looks pretty dope, but I, like I said, I don't know about that. So yeah. you, you gotta take this. See, my excuse would have been, bro, it's military time. <laughs> Even then, the number thirteen is not on a clock. No facts. I'm trying. I'm trying to bail him out. <laughs> oh man. Um, one more BS of the week is a bit retroactive, and um. It was um, last weekend, Real Salt Lake, abbreviated RSL, um, the fake RSL, they came out here to play NYCFC, the New York City Football Club, in Yankee Stadium. Off the rip, RSL wanted smoke with NYCFC. From their match day tweet, quote, we're playing on a baseball field. Oof. Oof. It's facts, but what are you trying to do? A Real Salt Lake player had his birthday that same day. Beat day Sellies, but in New Jersey. Don't know what that means. Moving on up to April 17th, the day of the match. Concrete jungles where dreams are made of. All right, they're, you know, quoting Alicia Keys. You know, you know, you, you have people say all the time. That same day, um, we already spoke to you about how tiny the NYCFC championship banner was. They got it done in like 20 minutes at the nearest staple. So RSL is gloating. Oh, look what we found. And they zoom all the way in to that little <laughs> ass NYCFC banner. First of all, it's hilarious because of how small the banner is. Also, it's crooked. Oh no, they got it wallet sized and it was crooked. <laughs> they um they compensated by adding a larger 2021 MLS Cup champion sign in the outfield. All the smoke they were having for NYCFC on social media 
They got washed 6 nothing. If you're going to talk your shit on social media, back it up on the field. That is a fact. And I get none of the players who are the social media manager, but still. 80th minute. It's the baseball field for sure. 6 nothing. NYCFC RSL. And then when they post the, the post of the graphic, um, concrete jungles are definitely not where dreams are made of. Um, <laughs> not your dreams, um, but that of the MLS Cup champions. And to make things worse, their next game was in the U.S. Open Cup, and they lost. So Real Salt Lake, um, the fake RSL. The real RSL is right here on your, wherever you're listening to this podcast. Ronnie, Spencer, and LV. Yes, sir. Uh, and before we go, I do have a quick shout out that I want to do. Uh, I know usually you reserve those for Spencer, but I want to throw one in there. Uh, so sticking in the MLS this past Saturday, we had uh, Vancouver Whitecaps versus uh, Austin uh, FC. And Vancouver, in the 57th minute, subbed on a young Somali man, <clears throat> made his MLS debut. Goes by the name of Ali Ahmed. Big up to him, man. Somali's in the MLS making his debut. Hoping for the best for the young guy. Uh, so shout out to him real quick. Ali Ahmed. Vancouver White Hey Cubs. man, air horns for Ali Ahmed. Love to see it. Man from the motherland. And that being said, uh, unless Spence has any more shout outs. Ronnie, do you want to go ahead and side the boys off? The pitch is very wet. It's very difficult to play on, you know. Yeah, one team is playing on their own pitch that is unplayable. The other one's playing in a baseball stadium and getting watched. It's nothing. Um <laughs> Meanwhile, Darlington Nabby didn't want to play on a pitch in um, St. Vincent and the Grenadines, and that's why he retired. Um, <laughs> thank you all for listening to episode 91 of the Football Misfits podcast. Um, all of your ears on whatever platform you are listening on and all of your interactions on Instagram are greatly appreciated. Champions League is back. We'll talk about it next week on episode 92, which is right around the corner. From Suburban Spence and the good brother LV, I go by the name of Ronnie. We will see you then. Stay strong, be brave. Adios. Woo-wee. Hey.